If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a uh, familiar person to many of you. She is a, uh, a, a physician, a director of breast imaging at Memorial Sloan Kettering. But uh, more than that, she is someone that we all became familiar with uh, during the COVID pandemic. Dr. Nicole Sapphire uh, has been on Fox News uh, very often discussing uh, in a lot of common sense to me in any event uh, what the permutations are and what we can expect from this pandemic. She's the author of Make America Healthy Again, How Bad Behavior in Big Government Caused a Trillion Dollar Crisis. She has a new book out called Panic Attack, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. It's available everywhere books are sold. So she's not only a practicing physician, I mean, she is someone who is uh, very keyed into what's going on and uh, has a lot of what I think are common sense approaches uh, as, as well as, uh, you know, clear medical uh, analysis of what's going on. Dr. Sapphire, welcome to the show. It, it appears that uh, people are talking more and more about COVID. Is, are the numbers increasing now? What's going on with this new kind of cough or whatever is out there now? Well, good morning, Judge. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you know, you. Uh, a lot, obviously, there are a lot of other things aside from COVID that are taking up media attention, um, which is probably a good thing. It's probably time that we spend a little less time on COVID. But the <laughs> truth is, you know, COVID cases are rising in many areas throughout the country. Certainly where we are, New York City area, the cases are on the rise. And while when you have just because of a sheer number of increased cases, you will see a small bump in hospitalizations, the great news is, we're not seeing an overwhelming parallel rise in hospitalizations and deaths anymore. And that's largely because uh, we have a large level of community immunity. We know how to treat COVID-19 better. And the fact that these variants are much less severe than the preceding ones. So these are all good things. Well, you know, it's interesting. I had one of those throat tickles and I was feeling exhausted. And and uh, my friends kept saying, well, take a COVID test, take a COVID test. So I took a COVID test, Dr. Sapphire, I think it was four days in a row. And finally, I just said, out of exasperation, I said, you know, maybe people just have a cold these days. Not everything is COVID. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was it was almost a relief that we're finally at the point in our society where we can say, gee, I have a cold, I have a virus, maybe it's bacterial, you know, maybe it's a flu. That's a good thing, you know, snap out of the COVID thing. But what? But doctor, while I have you on, tell me about this monkey pox stuff. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> monkey pox is interesting in the sense that you know, monkey pox is not new uh, in the United States. A- we've actually no, it's not. It's actually something we've had uh, circulating for decades. Uh, United States actually. Um, within the last couple of decades, one of the years, we had about 42 cases of monkeypox in the United States because of, um, uh, what is it, a guinea pig or one of those little rodents that were being shipped from elsewhere that came to the United States and 
for pets and people were ended up getting it. Right. You know, just last year, there were a couple of cases of monkeypox in the United States, but it doesn't get much fanfare. I mean, I guess that the media just needs that headline. They need to need to keep people in a perpetual state of fear. But here's the, here's the deal with monkeypox. The only reason it's interesting right now and, you know, raises some eyebrows is the fact that we're seeing non-travel related cases. Usually monkeypox, it's, it's a virus just like SARS-CoV-2 that caused COVID-19, but it's a very different type of virus. It's like the one that causes chickenpox. Um, okay. Usually the cases of monkeypox are directly related in, in certain areas of Africa, and people get it from animals. Human-to-human transmission is very rare. It's hard to do um, unless you're in extremely prolonged close contact with someone. With the recent cases of monkeypox, several of the cases are being linked to a, a big party, a big rave, and it seems that there is some sexual transmission mm-hmm. amongst humans that people are getting monkeypox. Now, this isn't surprising, so you can get this virus um, by respiratory, meaning, you know, if someone coughs right into your face, um, it's not aerosolized like we've been dealing with with SARS-CoV-2, but also with monkeypox, like chickenpox, you get these sores on the body. And so if that an open sore touches someone else, yes. Yes. It, it, not just their skin, but, you know, another a break in the skin, you, mm-hmm. it can be transmitted that way. So, Doctor, I've, I've heard things, that. The, uh, go ahead. No, you finish. Well, so some people are saying, well, is this going to be the next AIDS or HIV? And it's like, well, no, it's not because monkey virus, monkey virus is not new. The monkeypox virus is not new. The smallpox vaccine is about 85% effective against it. And by the way, if you're exposed to the monkeypox virus, you can still get the vaccine. It works even after exposure. We have treatments and people are already symptomatic if they are transmitting it to someone else. So we need to just treat it really as an STD, um, and we have the resources to do that. Interesting. They, you know, they don't they don't play it like that in the news. Um, but but what what is the connection? Someone said if you've had chickenpox, that you can't get a monkeypox, Doctor Sapphire. Well, never say never is oh, yeah, my first rule of thumb in <laughs> in healthcare. Um, but. So monkeypox is a DNA virus. It's similar to the varicella virus that causes chickenpox, the smallpox virus. So the theory is that if you have some immunity against one of them, you probably have some immunity against monkeypox. And there's probably some truth to that. Whether you had chickenpox, you had the chickenpox vaccine, you had the smallpox vaccine, you probably have some immunity. But again, unless you are a high-risk exposure, someone who is having unprotected sex with someone who is symptomatic or oh. you're in prolonged very close contact with someone who's pretty sick with fever and really bad cough you know your risk of contracting monkeypox is exceedingly low okay all right i, I want to now transition to what everyone is so totally focused on now and so devastated about and that is the uh, um the, the mass shooting at uh, at the rob elementary school in in uvalde texas one of the things that um, I, I said immediately, having dealt with crime victims for, for 30 years, is that the post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, of the family members as well as the children in that school. And, it, it, you know, the, we don't have enough facts yet, Dr. Sapphire, but it appears that there are some children from that classroom that uh, where 19 children were executed uh, that survived. 
talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome and what their lives will be like and what they need now. Judge, I think the entire community of Uvalde is going to need some sort of post-traumatic stress um, counseling and grief help because what happened was the most tragic thing that could happen to anybody. And then to witness it, for a child to witness it, that will be ingrained in their brain for the rest of their life. And it will we'll never be able to get rid of the emotional and physical trauma that they have experienced. And the only way to even help them cope with it so that they will be able to move on and live a fruitful life is through a huge amount of support and aggressive counseling. They have to be made, they need to feel like they are safe again. And right now those children do not feel safe. You would think that a child going to school, that is a safe environment. They are sitting there. They're in the comfort of their peers. They're under the instruction of their teachers and their parents have dropped them off believing them to be safe. And that has just completely been shattered. Just think of what people feel after a home invasion, or Mm -hmm. even just if someone's credit card has been stolen, there is a feeling of being invaded as though something has been taken from you. Now place that with a second, third, fourth grader child watching their classmates, their best friends be executed by a complete maniac. This will take a lifetime for them to work towards recovery, and there will not be a day where they say, okay, I'm better now, because it will never be better. So the community around them, their country around them, needs to rally to help this entire community thrive, survive, because we have seen that. When there has been massive tragedy amongst uh, communities, sometimes that community starts to falter in itself. We, the surrounding areas, need to make sure that the people of Uvalde have the support and are able to continue on and not succumb to this tragedy. You know, there is uh, there was a description of a, a young fourth grade girl who took the the blood from one of her bleeding classmates and put it on herself so that the shooter would think that she was dead. I mean, the the uh, you know, the 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 motive, the. Uh, the desire to survive and, you know, the wherewithal to think at that age, at that young age of what you need to do uh, is, is stunning. And, uh, you know, that, that child, it, it is, and we still don't know, Dr. Sapphire, how many children survive from that classroom. Um, my my concern is, you know, this young child exhibited tremendous maturity in recognizing what she needed to do to survive, taking the blood of her friend and putting it on herself. But I'm curious if indeed it is as it appears that it took the police almost one hour to breach that classroom. These children watch their friends bleed out and die. Uh, it's not the time to criticize the police. That time will come. Uh, but, you know, I don't I'm curious as to how many of the children actually survived. How many were in that classroom? How many watched this? How many actually came out? And then the question is, you know, with the parents, one parent said to the child who didn't want to go to school that day, you have to go. And that child died. You know, another parent, uh, the husband of a teacher, had a heart attack. He died. The teacher was killed. And they leave four children. I mean, it's like this 
ripple effect keeps going on and on outside the core of just that classroom. But Dr. Nicole Sapphire, I want to thank you for your time and your expertise. Uh, We'll have you on again soon. You take care. God bless. Thanks so much for having me, Judge. All right. And never forget, that's a commitment we made up and honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org.